You've ruined the surprise now, Alice. Alice is speaking today. (laughs) Me and Alice had a a spontaneous chat a few months back where she just mentioned something about prayer and what God was speaking to her. And you know, sometimes you have a conversation, something just sits in your heart and you think, oh, I think there's more to this. And so um, I just sort of asked whether she, whether she, she felt a couple of months ago, really, whether it, whether it could sort of become a full-blown sermon. And um, she went away, prayed about it and felt confident. So we're just thrilled, I guess, really, for Alice to be able to share that prophetic burden on prayer that God put in her heart. I think we're in for a treat today. So hold on to your hats and get ready to hear from God. I'm just going to pray for you now, yeah? Jesus, thank you so much for um, all you've put in Alice. Thank you, Lord, for the way that you've spoken to her. Over the years, thank you for your spirit on her, Lord, and the gifts that you've given her, Lord. And we want to just bless her now, pray for her, ask for the anointing and the power of your Holy Spirit on her as she opens up your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go for it. So I'm going to continue our series on prayer today, and I'm going to look at a psalm, and it's a really beautiful psalm. And I won't have time to go through a detailed Bible study of the whole psalm. So I would really love it if during the week you could take this psalm back home with you. And I'm just going to look at a few key parts of it that will really unlock it. And you'll be able to take this prayer, this song back home with you and and meditate it on the week and in the week. And I really feel like God's going to do a great work through this psalm that we're going to look at in a minute. Um, And the message today, I guess, is how through prayer... We can come alive spiritually and we can be awakened spiritually and we can engage with God. And through this prayer song, we're going to look at how we can do that. And just a bit of a testimony. So when I first became a Christian, I was 20 and I had no, literally no idea how to pray. And I remember saying, I'm ready to, I'm ready to give my life to my friend. And she said, OK, well, you can pray and give your life. And I said, but I can't. Like, well, I don't even know where to start. Like, I have no idea. And, um, and then she said, OK, well, I'll help you. And she helped me. And then I went to, I even went to a class. They put on a class at uni of how to pray. And I was like, I need, I just need as much help as I can get because I just had no idea. Um, I'd grown up, my mum was part of a Catholic, she'd grown up in a Catholic family. So I'd grown up knowing that the prayer existed. And I'd prayed a few childlike prayers when I was young. So, you know, things like thank you, God, for flowers. And you just pray in your head. You just pray these things, thank you, God, for flowers. Thank you for sausages. You know, the things that are really important to kids. And, um, and that was all I knew about prayer. And I never, ever prayed out loud. So that when I was asked to pray out loud, it totally spun me out. And then I moved to a foreign country and had to learn to pray in another language. So the whole thing was just completely th- through me as, a, as an early young Christian. But what I did know was that God loved me and I knew that I was so spiritually awake and so spiritually alive to God because I'd given him my life and he'd come to live inside of me through his Holy Spirit. And literally everything changed. So I would go outside and the the sky would be a different colour blue. And I remember saying to God, how is this possible? Are you playing with my mind? Like, how has the sky changed colour? You've changed the colour. Everything has changed. And, um, and it had. And he, when he comes inside of us and he lives inside of us, he, he resurrects everything and he changes everything. And we have new eyes, literally. I mean, literally, I could see different colours. It was amazing. And um, a few years ago, I went to a conference and I heard this speaker from Canada speak. And she spoke about how the church is becoming spiritually sleepy. And I felt really convicted. And I thought, yeah, we are. We're, coming, we're becoming really spiritually sleepy. We're like 
falling in love with the world. We're, we're getting so caught up in busyness and the things of this world that we're forgetting our true purpose and our true calling. And I felt really stirred <clears throat> to, um, to really look into it and really pray into this and discover where I was becoming sleepy and, um, and as God really spoken to me about it. And um, essentially we have this, this amazing ability to converse with God, to talk with God, and it's such a gift, and it's given to us miraculously through um, the sacrifice that, that Jesus gave for us. And if you're, a Christ, if you're a Christian here, you'll know what I'm talking about, and if you're not, you might think I'm completely bonkers, and you might think, Alice, what are you talking about? How can you commune? How can you talk with God? I don't even know if there is a God. You might be here thinking, I, I don't know what I believe. Um, and if that's the case, um, if, if I just explain roughly what, what we believe. So as Christians, we believe that we have been created, that God created all things and that he designed everything and that he designed us to be in communication with him and in a loving relationship with him. And what happened, that you'll often hear Christians talk about the fall, and it's where Adam and Eve, and essentially all of us, decided, now we're going to do things our way. We want to do things our way. We know better. We're not going to trust you. We're going to go our own way. And in doing so, we severed our relationship with God. We severed that beautiful relationship with God. And there's consequences to that. And we now live in this world where there's darkness, and darkness has influence, and there's, there's horrific things that happen. I mean, you just have to watch the news to see the darkness that we're living in and the effect that it has, and, the, and, and also look at ourselves and see our own corruptness. But God, because he's such a loving and beautiful God um, and perfect God, and he loves us so much. It was amazing, some of the words that came earlier from Louis um, talking about Abba Father. He absolutely adores us, and he wants to bring us back into this amazing relationship with him. And because of his love, he said, no, I'm going to make a way. I'm going to make a way for them to come back to me and, and have this restored relationship. And he did that by sending his son Jesus to the cross. And Jesus came, and he lived the perfect life for us and he lived on this earth and he dwelt amongst us and then he died the perfect death and he took all of our sin all of our shame all of our wretchedness in his body and he put it to death on the cross so that we might be free so he's exchanged his perfect life for our wretchedness and he's put it to death on the cross and we are resurrected with him and we've been set free set free from the slavery of sin and that means that we can live lives freely and we can suddenly have this restored relationship with God. And when he looks at us, he doesn't see our wretchedness and our sin. He just sees pure holiness because he sees Jesus covering us. And he puts his spirit inside of us. So when I talk about communicating with God, I'm meaning that we have this supernatural ability to talk to God because his spirit is inside of us. So Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when you choose to give your life to Jesus, he puts his spirit inside of you. And that's why I could see all these crazy colors because his, it was something supernatural was happening because his spirit was inside of me. So that's kind of might help if you, if you weren't, if you are not already a believer. And Jesus, Jesus sets the perfect example because he says, when he, comes, when he came on the earth, he said, I only do what the Father tells me to do. And it's like the perfect start, starting point for all of us. If we could just wake up every day and say, okay, we just do what you want us to do, God. I'm not going to do things my way. I'm going to do things your way, and I'm going to do what you want me to do. And he sets the perfect model for that. So we're going to look at Psalm 85. Um, Tilly, if you can bring it up on the slide, and we'll just read it through. But it says, Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people and you covered all their sin. 
You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation towards us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. And this bit in blue is the bit I want to focus on. It's actually not as clear, which is my fault, so I'm sorry. Um, Verse 8, let me hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace to his people, to his saints. But let them not return back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss together. Faithfulness springs up from the ground and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. It's such a beautiful psalm. When you have time in the week, go through that last bit because peace, uh, faithfulness and love are personified and they're, they're made human and they meet together and it's just amazing. But I'm going to focus on verse, verses 8 and 9 and the key in, some, in the NIV version... Uh, where's it gone? <laughs> um, in the NIV version it says, I will listen. I mean, in this version it's saying, I will hear. But I will listen. And I really think this is the key to this, this whole psalm. And it's right in the middle. This is a really beautiful psalm. And um, it's written, the sons of Korah would sing it. So they're the sons of the Levites. And a guy, one of, David had three choir leaders. And here we go. Oh, Tootie is the biz. <laughs> um, so da- King David had three choir leaders, and one of them was called He-Man. And it wasn't the 80s cartoon character. <laughs> but this is He-Man's song. So he, you just think of this and you think of strength anyway. And He-Man would, and his sons of Korah, so the sons of Levi and the sons of Kohath, which is one of Levi's sons, would sing this. And they would sing the first half of it. If we go back to the first half. Um, and they would sing, they would start with a reminder of God's favour and his past mercies. And they would just recount his past mercies. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered their sin. It's really beautiful, and it's a beautiful way of building up faith. And it's a good lesson for us to learn in prayer that we can start by just recounting his mercies, his past mercies. And it builds us up in faith, and he loves it because he loves our affection. Um, And then the second half... um, so we have this middle bit where, where this is the crux of it, where he says, let me hear, or I will listen to what the God, what the God, uh, God our Lord will speak. Um, this is kind of the crux. And then later on it goes on, and the Levites would sing over the people. They would sing this reassuring response of God's favor. So they would sing about his faithfulness, and they sing about his salvation that is to come, and there would be hope. So often with our prayers, we can start by recounting his mercies. Then we can bring our prayer and our request to God, and we're saying, I'm going to listen to you because I know that you have the wisdom and you have the knowledge. And then we can pray at the end with hope, and we can sing and pray of all the things that are going to come because we know his hope because it's written in his word, which we have. And it's not just a prayer request. We don't just come to God with our requests and say, Lord, you know, when things go wrong, I'm, uh, I need a job. That's not, that's, not, you know, that's not an exchange. It's not a two-way conversation. So this prayer is an amazing way of showing us that we can listen to him. It's a two-way interaction with God. We don't have relationships with people where we just go all the time and ask them. That's not really a relationship where we're just asking them for things. Because we want to bring... It's not an affectionate thing, you know? When you have a relationship, you have a two-way communication. 
I don't I don't have children um yet, but I I have a niece and nephew which who I'm completely in love with and I, um I have it like a I guess an inkling of the affections that it might be for a child to come to you and give you affection and how amazing that must feel to God when we come to him and and um give us he and give him our affection. I end up playing these crazy games. I kind of do anything for them because I just love them so much. And I play these crazy games, and I've got a seven-year-old nephew, and he likes to play this crazy game. Um, I don't know even what it's called. It's like we've made it up. It's some kind of dinosaur paramedic game. And I have to... <laughs> it's really funny. I have to decide... I have to choose what dinosaur he is, and I always get it wrong because I don't know all the dinosaurs, and he knows every single one. And he's always like, no, Alice, it's an Anasaurus. I'm like, I'm sorry, I thought you were T-Rex. Um, and then he dies or something, and I have to be a paramedic and save him. And, blah, blah, blah. and we're playing these games, and um, often, like, halfway through a game with him, he'll, say to, he'll stop me and go, Alice, 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 and I'll be like, what? And he'll go, I love you. And I'm like, oh, and, like, so the whole world stops, and I'm like, oh, I love you too. And he goes, I know. And I'm like, cool, cool, let's carry on. And we carry on, and I'm the paramedic, and it goes from there. But it's just this amazing sense of, like, oh, when, when we come to God and we tell him we love him, he absolutely delights in it, because he delights in us, and he loves to hear from us. Um, and it's really beautiful that we... And, it, and it's a way of just staying engaged with him. We, need, we desperately need prayer to stay engaged with God and, and keep that, that conversation going. Um, and listen to him. It's like a language. I speak a bit of Italian. I lived in, in Italy for a while. Um, and sometimes I listen in on Elisabetta and Matt Minighello chatting Italian, and I can understand bits. But if, and I can speak a bit, but then uh, it's been years and years since I lived there, so I've forgotten a lot of the vocab, and, so, and I don't use it regularly. So if they, if they only spoke Italian and I had my like sparse knowledge of Italian I wouldn't have a good relationship with them and I think I'd probably avoid talking to them because I would be scared that I wouldn't be able to communicate and I'd be like oh it's just a bit hard you can just surface level stuff I can't go deep with them because I can't express myself and um, it's like that with God if we don't engage with him and talk with him we can often get a bit scared about going to him in prayer because it's just like it's a bit awkward it's a bit hard because I don't I haven't prayed for a while and I don't know where to start and it can get a bit clunky and and that's not what he's got for us it really isn't he our ability like I was saying at the beginning that relationship that amazing restoration of the relationship we have with him is so costly. Jesus paid his life so that we can have that relationship and that interaction with him. It's so costly. We mustn't take it lightly. We have to pursue him in prayer and engage with him and give him our affections. We mustn't uh, follow the Pied Piper of this world who wants to you know, take us off in another direction. And uh, I had, So I had a prophetic word about a watchman and how we're called to be watchmen. And I looked into it, and there's this passage in Ezekiel that, said, that God says to Ezekiel, and he says, I have called you to be a watchman. And he takes him out onto the plain, and he shows him his glory, and Ezekiel falls flat on his face. And he can't bear the, you know, the presence of God. And um, God says, um, I'm going to open your mouth, and I'm going to speak. And whoever will listen, let him listen. And it's so powerful, that picture of a watchman and and 
I was thinking about Watchmen. When you think of a Watchmen, what do you think of? You think I think of someone in a castle, kind of looking out across the plain, looking for messengers that are coming to bring good, looking for danger that might be coming and, and bad. Um, so that they can warn the people. And they have a responsibility. So they have a responsibility to protect their people. And they have to be awake. Often the watchman is most important at night time, right? So he has to be awake and alert to look for danger and, um, and look for, for things that are coming so that he can protect his people. And, and I feel like we've been called as a church... And as a people, to be watchmen, we have to stay awake spiritually. We absolutely have to, because people are blind and they don't know. They, don't, they haven't been um, shown the love of God. They don't know the love that we've got in our hearts. They haven't experienced it. And we are the watchmen. We are on the front line. And we have to stay awake spiritually so that we can hear God and hear his leading for us. We can't afford to get sleepy. We can't afford to get ineffective in our prayer life. This lady that I heard spoke, she said, it's like there's an anaesthetic that we have, like the comforts of this world. We just start chasing after the comforts and like the next career move, the next job, the next house, having kids, getting married. And it's like we can get so absorbed in all of these are good things. I'm not, I'm not saying these are bad things, but we can get so absorbed in the things of this world that we actually just start becoming like everybody else. But we've got the living God living inside of us. We can't be like everyone else. We can't, because these people haven't heard, so many people haven't heard the truth. They're so blind to it, and and God has chosen us. He's chosen us to share his message. He's chosen us to be a part of his kingdom coming, and for us to fall asleep, it's just... It's just shameful that we would do that. And I, and I say that soberly because I know that I do it. I know that I so easily fall asleep spiritually and I fall into the, the momentum of the world and I, f- I fall in love with things that the world is promising. And I think, oh, you know, the world just gives us through the media and everything, gives us this, uh, the good life. It shows us what the good life is. And, and, you know, you're always bombarded with images of this. is If you had this house or if you had these clothes or if you had this family, if you had this many kids, this is what the good life is going to look like. And it's such an illusion because ultimately we're only satisfied in Jesus. We only get comfort from him. And when things get painful, we want to run to the immediate things that are going to comfort us, but they're not going to comfort us. And it's going to just add to all the sleepiness that we will get. Tim Keller says that we bathe ourselves in self-salvation. <laughs> and it's like we just want to like soothe ourselves and comfort ourselves and just keep adding and adding. Um, so I've got a few points to pull out of the Psalms. So the first one is through conversation with God through prayer like this this is a prayer we can engage with God and we can say spiritually awake which is what I've been saying and the second one is that we are called to be watchmen we're called to listen like it says in verse 8 and and to hear God and what he's speaking um and the third point is that there are certain triggers and if we can identify these triggers and what um what triggers us to become sleepy it will really help us in our journey and it will help us in our prayer life so I thought I'd look briefly at some of these triggers you know what's causing us to fall asleep so one of them might be busyness C.S. Lewis in one of his books says that he describes earth as a kingdom of noise it really is a kingdom of noise like especially in London you wake up there's something on your phone you you know there's bombarded with messages all day and there's just so much noise and i you know i had to confess the last few months i've been so busy that i've squeezed my time with god and it's it's so sad that i 
you get to the end of the day and you're like, I'm going to pray. And even those prayers get squeezed. And I end up just becoming completely useless. Because I can't, I can't pray. I can't, you can't do anything without his power at work in me. I think it was John Piper that said, prayer is our God-ordained means for supernatural help. And without prayer, we can't do anything. And our ministries are useless. Like this, he's like, we don't need more Christians with useless ministries. Well, there's enough. <laughs> we, need, we need power. We need God to work through us. Um, so busyness is a problem. <laughs> so if, you know, if, this is, if this is identifying with you, you know, we can repent of this later together and turn to God and say, help us. You know, help us to be quiet before the Lord and listen to him. Um, the second one is fear of man. This is a real big one, and this is one that I really struggle with. You you kind of get caught up in the world and and in conversations with friends, with colleagues, with people, and you want to you want to fit in, you want to be accepted, you want to be loved, and um, it's so easy to do what they want you to do and not speak out and not do what God's calling you to do and not listen, like this psalm is saying. And and I've been in situations even recently. With, with work colleagues where they're just just so hostile to God and I'm like oh, I just don't know how to I don't know how to speak into the situation and I'm scared and I'm out of my depth and I don't know what to do and um, it's so easy to just stay quiet and not shine your light so easy and I remember this last week and I prayed I was in the, where they were being really hostile towards anyone with faith and I prayed and I was like I actually don't know what to do God and I don't I don't and I've done it too many times where you you don't say anything and you think I'm not a good friend how am I a good friend to them if I'm more preoccupied with how my reputation or how I fit in or my reject, fear of getting rejection how is that being a good friend when they're not hearing the truth and they're not being challenged on their beliefs that is not being a good friend just being a hateful friend just putting my my own reputation before their salvation and before God's reputation and so I prayed and I said Lord, Lord please help me I, I, you know, I, I don't know how to even start with this and literally he's so faithful when you ask him for help and you pray for help he's so faithful within seconds someone one of them said um you know if I was gonna have faith I think I'd become a protestant christian I was like cool right let's have a conversation this is where we can start and um he's just really gracious when we ask him for help and when we listen to him and then the third point is apathy and disillusionment. Sometimes we don't want to pray and we don't want to listen to him because we're, we're apathetic. It means we're kind of like, ah, oh, well, it doesn't make any difference. What's the point? You know? Oh, I prayed, and I prayed for that person to get healed and they didn't get healed. So it's just painful. And I feel like this is a real biggie as well. Like we really need to face this one because in, in our pain, he really is the only place we can go. Um, and it is painful you know we see we see people who get sick and they don't get healed always 
and it is so painful, but we have to remind ourselves, like this psalm does at the beginning, he is so faithful, and we have to recount all the times that he has been faithful, all the times he has healed, and build our faith, because he is a healer. We mustn't get lost. The, the devil wants us to kind of get distracted and disillusioned and stop talking to him and, and you know, eventually become mute. But that is, he has got so much more for us. He has come. He said um, in John 10.10 10, that he's come to give us life and life to the full. And we can't experience that fullness unless we're engaging with him and listening to him. So we come to him in our pain and we say, I'm in pain. I don't understand why this isn't this person isn't getting healed or I'm not getting healed. I don't understand why this has happened, but I trust you and I know that you are good and I'm going to follow you because ultimately I believe that you are faithful, that you are true and you work everything for good. And from that place, he can start talking back to us and he can strengthen us and he can equip us to fight this fight and run this race that he's called for us. Um, Paul Miller says that he's written an amazing book on prayer. If you ever want to write, read a good book on prayer, <laughs> Paul Miller's written a great book on prayer. And he says, it's like our prayer antennae has got crushed. Um, and we have this dysfunctional relationship with God because we're so damaged by um, things that happen that we just stop talking to him. And, uh, and I guess my heart is that as a church, that we don't give in to disillusionment, we don't give in to apathy, we don't give in to busyness, we don't give in to fear of man, or these triggers, we don't let ourselves become sleepy, because we want to ultimately become all that he's designed us to be. We want to grow into the fullness that he is, he's bought for us on the cross, that we can be on the front line, and that we can be effective, and that we can be lights in his kingdom, and bring his glory, and let him do his full work in us. It's like Sujif was saying last week in that amazing sermon last week. He's saying, if only we knew, if only we knew the goodness that he had for us. If only we would just be praying we'd be on fire. And we forget. And that's why this psalm is so amazing because it just, it's helpful to remind, you know, David, before he went into battle with Goliath, he recounted, you help me, God, with a bear. You help me with the wolf. I don't know. I can't remember. But he would recount all the things, all the times God has been faithful in the past. And he says, and now you're going to help me with Goliath. And of course he does. He does. And he often chooses the most weak person. So you might be in here thinking, I'm just, I'm a weak person. I don't have to pray. I can't pray out loud. But he chooses the weak because in our weakness, he is strong and it's amazing. Like, uh, it's amazing. He's just, he just shows himself through our weaknesses. And um, don't ever feel like discount yourself. Don't ever come to a prayer meeting because you're scared to speak out loud. Just come and be around everyone praying. There's no expectation on you. But if God speaks to you, then speak because we need to hear it. We need to hear from the person that supposedly thinks themselves as the weakest person because you're probably going to be the most powerful person in the room because God's going to show his power in your weakness. And we desperately need to hear it. As a church, we need to build each other up and hear from God. And God is speaking to... If you have chosen to follow Jesus and he's living inside of you... He is going to speak to you, and he will give you boldness. I used to have such a, a, a paralyzing fear of speaking publicly. <laughs> Literally, I would say, even when I came my testimony, when I became a Christian, I was so scared of being able to have to, having to give my testimony. I almost thought I don't want to be a Christian anymore because <laughs> I'm going to have to speak publicly. It was so terrifying, and he's just done an incredible work. Even that day, he just did an incredible work, and I was able to speak freely. Because that's what he does. He brings us out of slavery. Um, and I guess my fourth point is, what is our antidote for this sleepiness? What is the antidote and what's our fuel for our prayer? And it's also, it's also in this psalm, um, in terms of 
I guess at the beginning of the psalm where it talks about putting him first. And also in the Lord's Prayer, where he, the first thing that Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer is, hallowed be your name. And that's where we can start in prayer, like this psalm does, lifting him up, saying who he is, letting him have control. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. I will follow you. I will trust in you. You are good. You are faithful. You are merciful. And lifting him up and putting him at the center and not ourselves, bowing down, humbling ourselves and saying, I don't know what to do in this situation. I am humbled. I am not wise. I don't have the wisdom to deal with this situation. I'm really small and you're really big and I trust you. And he can work with that. And then we say, I will listen. Let me hear what God will speak. For he will speak peace to his people, to his saints. But let them not return to their folly. Let us not return to our folly. Let us not return to the things of this world and be in, fall in love with the things of this world and kind of follow that tune of the Pied Piper that wants to lead us away yeah. and lead us away from God and, and make us become ineffective. He has chosen us. He has chosen us in his infinite wisdom to be watchmen to be on the front line and he has equipped us with his power and this is a a spiritual battle we are in spiritual warfare and we mustn't be asleep to that because the devil doesn't play fair and he's given us um he's given us so many means and ways to communicate so he's given us his word his truth this is powerful this is so powerful. This is him. Jesus became, um, the word became flesh. G- this, is, this is so powerful, and we can use this. He's given us our spirit inside of us that has his power at work in us. You know, Paul said to the Philippians, um, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And we're like, yeah, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And then we often celebrate that and and do we get to the next bit and sharing in his sufferings becoming like him in his death and it's like do we really want to know the power do we really want to know his power his resurrection power at work in us are we willing to die to ourselves and share in his sufferings you're having fun (laughs) um and we really need to challenge ourselves are we do we really want to know his power work? Because he's put power inside of us. He's equipped us with spiritual armor. When we're praying, are we using our spiritual armor that, that is in Ephesians 6? You know, do we hold up our shield of faith when my accusations come? Do we hold up our shield of faith? Say, no, I, I, I'm not going to believe this lie that I'm weak and that I don't have a voice because I've been saved. The blood of Christ covers me. So I am, I am a new creation and my sin doesn't count against me. So I am, I've been made holy and I have a place and I have a voice and I'm going to hold up my shield of faith. I'm going to keep my feet shod in the gospel and I'm going to imprint the gospel wherever I go because it's supernatural. We have these supernatural weapons that we can use in our, in our spiritual warfare to fight in prayer and to bring his kingdom. Um. <laughs> And I guess my final point is that what really sets us apart, what really sets us apart is God's presence, isn't it? You know, Moses said before, um, Moses, Moses used a similar method and he, he recounts the past. So he says, remember, this is your people. In Exodus 33, remember, this is your people. We cannot go forward without your presence going with us. And we can't, as Christians, go forward in this world without his presence going with us. So we need to engage in prayer. We need to listen to him. And we need to hear what he's speaking. We need to do what Jesus did and and do only what the Father tells us to do. 
Because we, we don't want to be ineffective. We don't want more powerless, powerless ministries. We want, to, we want to hear from him. We want to stop and wait on him and say, God, what do you want to do in this situation? What can you bring to this situation? Where's your power at work? You know, the watchman, he looks, he looks upon the planes and he sees where, where the action is. And we need to look around spiritually and say, God, where are you working? Where can I get involved? I'm going to go there. And unless we look up, we're not going to see anything. Look up spiritually. Listen to him. We're not going to see anything. Um, Jesus says, you know the way. You know, he, he says, the shepherd, know my voice. You know his voice. Yeah. I think my prayer for all of us is that we, that we hear his voice and that we follow him. And we know his love. We know that he's not a distant God. That he, he's promised us, I think it's Psalm 147, that he's near to those who call on him. He's near and he's shown his love for us so powerfully through Jesus dying on the cross. We know he loves us. Let's draw near to him in faith and let him equip us and grow into the fullness of what he's got for us. We have, we have resurrected eyes, I certainly know that, <laughs> through these colours. And um, we are called to be watchmen in the night. And, and in this psalm, as it goes, uh, even verse 9, Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that his glory might dwell in, in our land. His glory dwells in us and through us. So as we dwell in the land, he's dwelling in the land through us. We, we are on the front line of, of his glory is coming through us, and we want him to be full through us. And ultimately, we want his salvation to come. And if you go to the next slide, Tuli, um, is it? Sorry, is there one more? No. We'll see my thing. Um, no, I was reading the NIV when I was writing this, so I think it's slightly different interpretation, but. Um, Verse, I guess it's verse 12. I think in, in the NIV it's a slightly different interpretation where it says, our, 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 yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. And then verse 9, surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. Now, ultimately, there's a harvest and it's ripe. He's promised us that it's ripe. The harvest is ripe and ready. That is a promise that we can really get a hold of. And we can't afford to, to become sleepy spiritually. It's, you know, this is a matter of life and death. People are dying. In Hosea, it says people die because of lack of knowledge. Like, people are literally dying. I've had colleagues... I've, had, I've been to too many funerals over the last few years. I had, in my first few years of working here, I had my manager, who was just the most amazing manager, and she really became like a mother figure in my life. And I... I grew to really love her, and I spent many hours in the car with her, many hours talking with her, and she knew I was a Christian, and she knew I loved Jesus, but I never explicitly told the gospel to her. And one day, she got sick, and she didn't tell us, because it was her way of coping with it, just to get on with it. And so I knew something, I knew she was sick, but I didn't know how sick she was. And one day, I came back to the office, and I got called into the chief exec's office, and they said, she's died. And I was so shocked and kind of just left in disbelief because I thought well, her life has been snatched away and she's so young 
And I've had so much influence. I've been on the front line. Like, we are chosen to be in, in specific places with specific people at certain specific times. And I've had, a, I've had a real influence in life. And I don't know if I've explicitly told the gospel to her. And I've had this amazing opportunity. And it's not my, her, her salvation is not my responsibility. I know that. But I've had an influence. And I don't, I don't know if I've actually listened to God in this and let him lead me and show her the gospel through his leadership. And I went to her funeral and I just wept because I was like, this, this life has been snatched. This life has been snatched away and I don't know where she is. I don't know if she knows Jesus. And then the, the pastor just gave me hope and he said um, her son was a, chor- a chorister and she said he, he, she, he said she used to come and listen. She used to come and sit for hours and listen to the songs and, and listen, I hope, to God. And I hope she had a relationship with God, but I don't know. And I don't know, I don't know what the outcome is for my friends and family that don't know him, but I know that I have a responsibility to be a watchman, to listen to God, and to let him lead. Because I don't want to be asleep. And I know you guys don't want to be asleep if, you, if you've chosen to follow Jesus. I know that you don't want to let that happen to any of your friends. Life is so fleeting. It's so fleeting. And we, this is life and death. We are the light in the world. He has made us a light in this world, and it is dark in this world. And people need to hear the truth of the gospel. And we need to listen to him so that we can go out in power, go out with our weapons, our spiritual weapons, and let him do his work through us. The harvest is ripe. And as we pray, your kingdom come, we can get caught up with him and let his kingdom advance powerfully through us. You know, um, Curtis Mayfield sings that song, uh, get people get ready and it's so brilliant I love that song I love singing it and, um, and it's like people get ready there's a train coming and it's like we need to get ready there's a train coming we don't want to miss this train this is a train of salvation and we want to bring everyone with us and if we're really going to be the fullness of God's called us to be we need to uh, engage with him wrestle with him in prayer let him draw us into him and let him show his fruit and his glory through us so that he might bring salvation and um and awaken our hearts to him. Um, yeah. I pray that his, his gospel truth is ever before us, is ever on our lips, and that we are awake to him and alert to him so that he can really speak through us and move through us. I think I'll end there. Yeah. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thank you, Alice. That was, <laughs> I feel so challenged. I don't know about you. Um, I think just I felt Holy Spirit prompting me that I, f- I think there's probably a call for us all to respond to what Alice has shared. Uh, triggers not to get sleepy. As Alice was just saying them, I'm thinking, oh, wow, I'll probably go through one of these every day. Um, so I'd love us to respond uh, collectively but individually to that. And then I'd love Alice to pray for us, what God's imparted in you for us. I think there's so much that you can pour out on us. Um, so I'd love us to stand together. Let me just read out um, some of the triggers that Alice said. They were busyness, fear of man, apathy and disillusion. And just take a, a moment to yourself to think, wow, <laughs> what, what are the triggers that can make me sleepy? Say, God, I don't want to be sleepy. Um, and then, yeah, let's just take a moment to do that. Just to receive, to tell God where we don't want to get sleepy. And then Alice, if you could pray for us.
Yeah, Lord, I thank you that you have awakened us in our spirits. You have brought us new life. We thank you for your precious sacrifice, Jesus. That we are new creations and we have come to life spiritually. And we have this amazing relationship with you where you can speak to us and that we can converse with you. And that you can grow us in our spirit and in all that you've called us to be spiritually so that you might show your light through us. Lord, I thank you that you've called us to be a light in this world, a light in the darkness, and that your kingdom is advancing powerfully and nothing can stop it. Nothing can stand in your way. And we want to get caught up in your kingdom advancing. We don't want to fall asleep and get lost by the wayside. There's too many that get lost by the wayside, Lord, and we don't want that to happen to anyone in this church or any of our friends or family or any of the people that you put in our lives, Lord. I know that your will is that all men get saved, that everyone knows salvation, and the harvest is ripe and ready. Lord, awaken your spirit in us. Awaken your spirit in us that we might be sharp, that we may be sharp and listening to you, that we can be your watchmen, that we can be your watchmen spiritually and look out, look on the horizon, look where you're moving and get involved, Lord, and come alongside and let you do your work through us and let your light shine through us and let your kingdom come through us, Lord. Let your resurrection power be at work in us, Lord. We surrender our hearts. We repent of where we've got too sleepy, Lord, too sleepy spiritually. And we, we want to say we're, we're awake to you and we want to stay awake to you. Help us, Lord. Help us to battle in prayer and, and pursue prayer so that we might engage with you and, and grow into the fullness that you have brought for us, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.